The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who fall away. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph Lord, in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And with that, good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people. All the boat rockers are in the house, and anybody else I may have missed, to the Sons of Liberty Radio Show here on Red State Talk Radio. We use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about a hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so, SonsOfLibertyRadio.com, and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio, head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and you'll see two videos at the top of the screen there. The one on the left is Bradley's show from yesterday. You can still watch that up until 3 o'clock this afternoon, at which time he'll go live. Uh, so if you want to check him out at live, 3 p.m., that's where you want to be, SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And on the right side of the page is where we're streaming this morning. Click on the play button, blow it up on whatever device you've got, and then click on the rumble icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Join us in the chat over there. I'd love to see you. And... Uh, yeah, so we're and you'll notice that I got my sound fixed. I had to go through some things because my computer just wants to change it to my speakers, and so I'm the only one hearing it. 
<laughs> for whatever reason. So oh, I'm in that that little groove again, which what it's probably been two or three years since I've had that problem. Um, so I don't know what causes it, but we're just gonna have to. I'm just going to have to remember to check those things in the morning each time. Uh, with that said, you can also sign up for our email newsletter right up under where we're streaming live. It's on the right side of the page. Just sign up for that there. And uh, that's one email a day that gives you all the articles and things that we put out for the day. And then if you want our weekly one, which tells you what goes on in the ministry, that one you can sign up for at sonsoflibertyradio.com as well. Okay. If you'd like to help us out or you agree with our message, um, there's a donate button at the top of the page of sonsoflibertymedia.com. And then also, if you'd like to partner with us monthly, that's available as well to Son or Daughter of Liberty. And our store is also available. So if you're looking for great products to, you know, have conversations started, you can do that. There's some equipping tools also in there. And this week, we're highlighting the Necessity T-shirts. These come in black and blue in a variety of uh, sizes. And um, has got this this citation by William Pitt the Younger. Necessity is the plea for every infringement of human freedom. It is the argument of tyrants. It is the creed of slaves. You know, it is... We we really need to hamper the pandemic. So we're going to have to ask you to give up some civil liberties. We're going to ask you to do some things that you don't want to do. Put some stuff in your body. Put something over your mug. Whatever the case may be. See, this is this is exactly what goes on. We need, we need, we need. And, uh, and they do it in the form of some kind of panic and fear and things of this nature. And uh, this is basically this week what we're talking about with, with some prepping, or what is termed as prepping, uh, is really, as I start to think about it, it's really how people used to live. It's not, it wasn't prepping for them, it was just daily life. So in essence, what we're doing is we're kind of going back in time, and we're having to learn some things. Now, some of the things are going to be more modern, but that's really what we're on. We're learning how people, you know, the Bible says that we need to return to the old paths, right? And I think that's some of what I saw in our show yesterday with David, and then I think we're probably going to see some of that uh, today, uh, along with you know, making it more modern. There are some things we're going to talk about that will modernize some of the things as well. Now, also at SonsLibertyMedia.com, if you missed yesterday, uh, that is available. And it's Prepping 101, Do You Have a Mindset to Face the Apocalypse? Um, so you can still get that at SonsLibertyMedia.com. And once we're done with the week, uh, we're probably going to combine them all together in one big you know, archive all four of these. And then we're probably going to have time to move ahead. I think David's got like a whole encyclopedia stuff that he can share with us, which is great uh, because, you know, knowledge is power. And if you don't have that knowledge, you don't have the power in that area. So with that said, there's a couple of headlines, sonsoflibertymedia.com that we're going to bring on before we bring David on. Uh, If you did not see this last night, the Watch the Water premiere. Now, uh, I sent a little text message to a couple of people Several people actually, and um, Dr. Miday, uh, Carrie Miday had, she said, you know, the, this information isn't really new. Uh, it's old information, but it was, I think it was the packaging. It was putting it all together that, I, you know, if this is true, what uh, Dr. Artis has put together here. If it's true, and I have no reason to believe it, he's got all the documentation from the NIH, from uh, the CDC websites, and all of that other concerning what he put forth. There is no doubt in my mind these people are engaged in murder. And this needs to get out to the public in general. And we need to go after these people. We, we really need to go after these people because they are, they are engaged in murder. Okay, But if you, if you haven't seen it, you can see it. Watch the water. 
there on sonsoflibertymedia.com. If you're having a hard time finding it, you shouldn't have a hard time finding it, but if you are, it's right there. You can check it out on sonsoflibertymedia.com. Also, vaccine mandates for federal employees. Where is the law that gives the government authority in doing so? There isn't one. This is the latest from Bradley. Be sure to check that out. Also, CIA admits feeding Americans false info about Ukraine. No, really? <laughs> Aren't they the guys behind the Mockingbird media? Yes, they are. Uh, Suzanne Hamner's got a new one out. England and EU climate laws see family farms threatened. And that don't think that's not going to try to come to the U.S. too. I think some of that is already in place. Um, well, it isn't just climate laws. They've been threatening family farms with death taxes and all kinds of other immoral um, things that they're doing with the farms here uh, in the United States. Also, SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. Biden passes Congress and the Constitution, issues new gun control dictate with complete disregard for Second Amendment. Yeah, this is why you guys up there, you claim to be the good guys, and you say, oh, he's treasonous. Oh, this is unconstitutional. Oh, this. Well, how about let's get some articles of impeachment and get the guy out of there? And then once you get him out, why don't you send your cat, your Capitol Police, your Sergeant Arms, whoever, to arrest this guy and prosecute him? I mean, if that's what you really mean. We don't need the WWE match. We need justice. And, uh, you know, as we say here, justice guards our liberty. That's the one thing that's missing in all of this is justice. We, we got the name calling. We got the, the fact checking. We got the, the, the documentation of the laws that are broken. We just aren't bringing justice. Also, SonsLibertyMedia.com, New York cops ruled justifying cracking innocent elderly man's skull, leaving him hospitalized for a month. I mean... And and we got into it on the Telegram channel. Look at what they did to this guy. Uh, you guys on radio, you can't see it. He's just talking with the cops. They come and they shove him, and he falls back on his head. And, you, and he's bleeding out of his ear. And you know what? I got guys on the Telegram. I, got, I had a person on the Telegram says, well, he was warned if you saw the first video. Warned of what? I thought when you protested, that was protected under the First Amendment, right? You may not agree, but that's supposed to be protected. A protest. Not not rioting, but a protest. Was this guy violent? Nope. They just pushed him off back on his head. And uh and this guy in the in the telegram group is trying to justify it. There is no justification for that kind of behavior. There there just isn't. All right. Uh also, sonsoflibertymedia.com, last one here. The earth only has about three months supply of food the way everything's done. If production stops, humanity has nothing to eat in ninety days. Now some of this is coming out, and now they're starting to admit some of these things. Now, when we had G-Sing on from over in the U.K., one of the things he told us was if they, if they attempt to lock you down again, they mean to starve you. And he's been in uh, Asia and Africa and seen them do it, seen the governments do it. He showed us video where they, were, where they uh, took food, uh, the Indian government was buying it, and they were, I mean, just... He was riding through the piles of stuff that they had. You remember that? And the rain was coming down, and they were just letting the food rot out there. Just stacked up nice and neat, and they were letting it rot. And uh, so he's seen it. And so the warnings are, are there. They're coming. And uh, this is why it's so important, the shows that we're doing this week um, with David, 
as to why we need to prepare. We see those things coming, and we want to prepare, as the Bible says. We're trying to be prudent people about what we're doing, and we have the kingdom in mind with that. And so to help me again today with that is a David Pruitt from Pruitt Tree Resin. You can find them at themiraclesav.com, themiraclesav.com. And uh, David, welcome back to the Sons of Liberty, man. Good morning. Whoops, I've got... I think we, I think we don't have. Uh, oh, you're you've muted yourself there. Sorry about that. Yeah, I'm there very you go. sorry. That's all right. Good morning. Uh, good morning, brother. Yeah, good to see you. And David's got his whiteboard up today. So if you're listening by way of the radio and you you want to get the, you want to get in on some of this uh, this morning, the information. Please head over to sonsoflibertymedia.com. We're also on, by the way, I meant to mention this, beforeitsnews.com, top of the page, dlive.tv at the Sons of Liberty, Twitch at Setting Brush Fires, and also uh, Cutting Edge TV on Roku if you're on that. And then if you want to go to Rum- our Rumble channel, it's Sons of Liberty Radio Live. All right, David, so we've got... Um, We've got a bit of a, a a new topic here today, and we're going to be covering several things. Priorities that we should have, survival retreats, power and fuel considerations. And so I know a lot of these people are, are going to say, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm up for that. Can you teach us something on those things? So I'm going to turn it over to you, man. Okay. So when we talk about provide priorities for the end of days, what we need to think about is we need to think about actual sustainability. We need to think about, um, you know, what are realistic goals that we can meet? Because you can't get to, you can't, you can't run until you walk and you can't walk until you crawl. So that's where this target that I talked about yesterday comes into play. You know, we really need to meet those three-day goals, those week-long goals, and, and really branch out from there to make them digestible bites you know you gotta eat an elephant one bite at a time it's not going to happen any other way so when we think about priorities there are two things that most people don't think about so water is a huge thing and food everyone here in america talks about security everyone likes talking about guns and stuff but they don't talk about food you can't eat bullets They don't digest very well. Um, And something that we really need to think about in that, um, and we'll, we'll talk about this in the water segment, but is we need to think about how are we going to a provide all those, that food, nutrition, and calories. And we need to also think about how are we going to defend all this? Because that that's something that people like to talk about, but they don't like talk about the food because it isn't as glorious as how much they spent on their new AR. You know, everyone likes spending a couple of grand on an AR. Nobody likes going and buying a couple thousand pounds of beans and rice and you can never have enough because remember as a wise man prepares, not only for his house, he may prepare for his neighbor's house. Who's foolish because you may need the extra set of hands and you may not realize that now, but you can't do everything by yourself. Okay. And we need to realize that when we talk about this, we need to have a kingdom mindset because charity is a very important part of the Christian mindset. Amen. And without charity, we, we really don't show how much we love people because Charity is is something so important that many Christians have forgotten about these days. You know, it would have, if 
if the church acted the way that it was supposed to act, we wouldn't have many of the issues that we have today. That's right. Because when the church is strong, his people are a light in times of darkness. Mm. And what we've what we've seen is we've seen that many people are willing to sacrifice their views for a little bit of temporary security or the promise of security. Yeah. That's why you see me. <laughs> yeah, and Give you know, your- and charity is love. I mean, that is a dem- it's a demonstration yeah. of love, and that's what what John says. You know, First John three eighteen. That's sort of the motto of the ministry here. Uh, little children, let us not work love in word, but in deed, or in word only, but in deed also. So you're exactly right. We've we've got to have a mindset not just for us, but how are we going to help those around us? Yeah, and the, and something that we need to also think about is not just helping those around us, but strengthening those around us. So you can give a man a fish, but it is better to teach a man how to fish than it is to just give him fish, because now. You are his keeper. And everything about us and our belief system is supposed to be about empowering the individual and um, strengthening their, um, their relationship with our Heavenly Father. That's something that we need to encourage, and I don't see that very much anymore. You know, everybody has to be right. I don't know everything. You don't know everything, but we can all come together and we can all help one another learn. And that really needs to be the the main goal is education. And that's why I'm here today. And that's why I'm sharing this with you. People don't like talking about the, the not glorious side of, you know, food storage is not everyone's favorite. Okay. Priorities, you know, all of these things, defense, you know, fuel, power needs, all these are equally important, you know, defense and security, food, stock it to the rafters. You know why? Right now it's cheap. And I, I'll tell you what, I'd rather have a whole bunch of food storage because if there was a natural disaster, I could feed a whole bunch of people. You can, you can do that because one random act of kindness like that can change a whole situation. I'm telling you, it's, it's happened all throughout history. You, there have been people during World War One, World War Two, who fed their neighbors because they had a charitable mindset. And if you can help feed your neighbors, your neighbors will help you. Yep, that's right. Because, now, wise man does that. Uh huh. Exactly. And when we talk about defense and security, that that has to be part of our defense and security plan is is having good neighbors who comprehend. Um, and you, you can't pick your neighbors, you know, wherever God puts you, make the best out of it. You know, if you get lemons, make lemonade. So your defense and security plan, that's that needs to be something that you you that we will talk about that more. But th- this is a priority that you all of these things are equally important. No one should come above the others. You know, food, like I said, stack it to the rafters, shelter. You need to constantly be improving your shelter, your storage capabilities, because the more storage capabilities you have, the more food you can store as you have your resupply plan come into effect. So as you're able to resupply, you know, if you can grow 10 million pounds of wheat, but you can't store it, what good is that wheat to you? Yep, it's no good. 
Exactly. And shelter. And if you're, if you're always concerned um, and, and you can't sleep because you got to sleep sometime, I don't care who you are. You aren't as tough as you think you are. Okay. You got to sleep sometime. And if you don't have a security plan and a shelter plan for constant improvement on that security, you're going to always be worrying. Okay. Um, our fire fuel and power needs. This is something we, we could call these uh, our power and fuel um, needs. We're going to talk about that today. That's going to be the last topic. And we, we need to also think about health and medical. This is not as glorious. You know, people don't, people forget starvation and people behaving badly ends a lot of people when bad times come. Okay. And when people behave badly, a lot of people get injured. And you need to have that charitable mindset so you can help your neighbors help, you know, be have have some Tupperware containers with uh, with uh, charitable things in there like bandages, tampons. Tampons were originally created to stop bullet um, or plug bullet wounds back in World War One. By the time the war ended was when they were coming to market. They'd spent all this money developing this bandage. And guess what? They had no market now. So then they started turning them into feminine hygiene products. I've kn- I've met people who have used them before to plug holes and save people's lives. Um, so think about that with health and medical. Think about you, you cannot possibly imagine the amount of wound dressings and things like that that you need on hand. And that stuff is so much easier and cheaper to buy now than you can create it yourself. And making your own bandages and washing them and sterilizing them is a big pain. Yes, you should have that capability, but being able to have disposable bandages and things like that these days, man, it would be really nice. Think about all the medical supplies and things like that being bought up over in Ukraine right now. Okay, so uh, safety, this would be like personal protective equipment. you know, overwatch, things like that. We talked about training practice yesterday. We'll be getting more into that. And then water. So these are our priorities. These are just, these are just a short, quick list to try to keep us on goal or on point, I should say. And when we talk about priorities, we need to realize that we, that the things that we're least excited about, we need to take those the most seriously because we're not going to want to think about those as much. Okay. So people who are not interested in the medical, that's probably something that they need to focus on because that's going to be their point of weakness. And without balance, without balance in this, um, this circle up here, you're not going to be able to get much accomplished because balance in these systems is what allows you to thrive. Okay. I'm telling you, I've been doing this for a little while and you need balance in the system. You need to start thinking of things as systems. And that's where priorities comes into play is being able to balance between these things and being able to realize, Hey, you know, I haven't even met my three day goals for medical. I can't even take care of someone for three days. Why would I be prepping for a one year disaster when I don't even have my three-day goals met, okay? So what we need to do is be able to balance our um, our goals, our, our uh, time goals, 
with all of these things. That is why our priorities are so important. You need to start getting a list together. I would say like hard copy, um, you know, whether it be binder paper in a three ring binder is really nice because you can take pages in and out, start keeping track of inventory, all those things and start figuring out what you've got food wise, what you've got security wise, what you've got for all these things and start moving forward. Because if you don't get. Yeah, let me, let me ask you something, because you're mentioning these different things as far as priorities. And the one thing I, I noticed that you didn't mention specifically, and maybe intentionally, is the issue of some sort of money. And I'm not talking about the greenback stuff. I'm talking about like a gold or silver kind of thing. And I know a lot of people figure if you get in sort of a worst case scenario, you're going to be bartering. Maybe you're trading some bullets for some rice, as you said, or something like that. And you do some bartering. Uh, would would any kind of gold or silver fall into your any of your priorities at all as well? Yes, but those okay. So in a in a slow decline, yes, um, and that would actually be a lot of people don't um, realize that that would be. I would probably put that under defense and security because being able to trade is a security issue. Um, being able to barter is a security issue. Um, a lot of people don't look at it that way, but it needs to be because if you don't have a means of um, exchange, if you don't have some type of ex- medium of exchange, whether it be food, medical equipment, skills, you know, labor, you know, do you have a hay field that you got a whole bunch of hay saved out of that you can trade with neighbors? Um, there's you, you need some medium of exchange because if you don't have a medium of exchange, now you are going to be one of these marauders. You're going to be someone who's going after other people. You're the guy who bought the AR, bought six or eight magazines, 30 round mags and a thousand rounds of ammo, had it, has it in the closet. Maybe you cited it in, but you've got no resupply plan. You've got no garden and you're going to be part of the problem, not the solution because you thought of, you thought of um, just one aspect of this, the defense and security. You didn't think about food. You didn't think about water. You didn't think about any of these things. And um, it's probably not going to end well for those kind of individuals because historically it hasn't ended well for those kind of individuals because historically what's happened is you see that there, um, that there's a sense of community. Um, there's a um, some wonderful books. I will send. I'm going to be sending a um, list of links over to Tim to post with this episode um, for some really good books looking into this whole uh, all of these topics. I've I've read a huge number of books on these things. I've been doing this for a while, like I said, and we have. I, I think that we've found the best books on the subject matter um, to be able to recommend those and be able to say, Hey, you know, these, and, and you need to be able to look at like, look at Black Hawk down that whole thing over Mogadishu. That whole thing was over food riots. The whole thing. Yeah, you were saying that yesterday, and I, I do think that's, that's a part of it. So we're, we're the further we're going along, we're just, you're just kind of like, adding another another layer to what we've said before is sort of a precept upon precept kind of issue well, and a, and they're and they're basic things it's not like you're pulling stuff out that 
people can't go do or they can't put back a little bit at a time as they're as they're going along. These are pretty simple items uh, and things to think about that they can do every week. You know, they can put just a little bit into it and start doing that. Yeah, and I will try to put together. Um, I will try to put together some resources for some people, um, some PDF books and things like that that are free, open source that would really help some people on different subjects. We'll be putting that together at the end of the week to put with because I know that you wanted to put it all together into one. Yes, one combined thing. And I have uh, I have a huge number of resources for that. There's a number of people like me, like Tim who have knowledge, who have actually brought forward books and things like that nowadays that are eBooks that are free of charge that people just don't know about. You just don't know what you don't know. And that's why I'm here talking about this is my goal is to help you because I want, I want everything to go better for Americans and for people around the globe. You know why? Because if we help our neighbors, it makes strong communities, strong communities provide stability in a region. Okay. And that's really what we need is we need more stability these days. We have such a lack of um, security from a lack of stability because people don't know their neighbors. People don't care about their neighbors. You know? Yeah, and David. It, and one of, let me let me say this. And one of the things that's different here than you might hear maybe somewhere else, especially when you hear uh, empowering the people, you hear that from a politician. They mean empower the people by the government. That's what they mean, despite what they might say. Uh, here, we're actually trying to seek to empower the individual with knowledge and to give them that knowledge, and hopefully it develops into wisdom uh, that they that they gain. And hopefully that is tied with the Scripture, because Scripture is really the only place you're going to get real wisdom anyway. And uh, so that knowledge is there so it can, uh, it can it can build them up. Wisdom and discernment, man. The instruction manual. So... You know, and the thing is, is that we we are supposed to be encouraging to one another. We're supposed to, as as strong Christian men, we're supposed to be uplifting one another and strengthening one another in the faith. And I don't think we can do that without teaching men how to fish for themselves. Um, we, and this is something that I, I think that we're, we're going to touch on later when we talk about community and how this all works together is that we need, um, we, I need you to, you as the listener, I need you to realize that these are systems. Everything works together. When you have a rifle and you don't have any optics on it, you've got no way to sight with it, you've got no sling, that's really not a complete system. You may have a rifle, but without the magazine, that system isn't going to be as effective. Without the sling, that system is not going to be as effective without a flashlight. You can't identify a target in the dark. You know, these, these, when we think of systems, we've got to start thinking of everything in systems, whether it be, you know, our, our priorities, whether it be, um, you know, our everyday care, everything works together. All the clothing that you wear, everything works together in your system. And you need to, you need to start looking at things as systems and when things start working together and you start seeing things that every little piece of the puzzle is a system and everything works together, we're not talking about individual systems. We're talking about a complete system. And this is where I think a lot of people, it, it kind of blows their mind because then they get overwhelmed. Don't get overwhelmed. Just realize that you've got to break this down into manageable chunks, into 
objectives that are easily accomplishable. You know, go get a pound of beans and rice every time you go to the grocery store. That doesn't take very much, does it? And it and it's not hard to store that kind of stuff. You know, it used to be, I used to tell customers who didn't have much money, every time you go to the grocery store, whether it be Walmart, wherever, get a box of ammunition for your rifle. And uh, every other time, get like a box of ammo for your pistol. Get a uh, get a pound of beans and rice per person. And, you know, that's a that's something that most people can accomplish in a few months. How much would you have? You'd have a hell of a lot more than a lot of people have. That's right. And you see, by breaking things down into objectives that can be met, that is where I think the I think that's where we can help people is breaking this stuff down. Okay. So now that we've talked about the priorities of, of survival to survive the end of days, you now you guys have to realize that your priorities and mine may be different. Um, and people don't like to hear this, but everyone's situation is different. And not only is everyone's situation different, but people have different needs and they have different assets and or liabilities. What I mean by that is there are only two types of people in the world. There are assets and liabilities. And what you need to be able to do is make sure that you have more assets than you have liabilities, whether it be people or tangibles. What you need to do is play to your strengths and strengthen your weaknesses. So what that means is if you've got a hayfield and you're not making use of it, that is an asset that's going to waste, okay? If you've got a garden space and it's not producing, then that asset is not being taken full advantage of. If you've got, um, if you've got a book on solar systems and you haven't read it yet and you've had it for 10 years, it is a waste, it does you no good if it's just sitting there gathering dust. You see, in an empire of lies, truth is a revolutionary idea. And this is why we're seeing a lot of books. Um, a lot of publishers are not even interested in, in talking about books anymore. I think it was Paladin Press um, uh, just went down a few years ago. I think it's a couple of years ago. Paladin Press went down a year and a half, two years ago. Um and, you know, they were one of the the premier survival and preparedness, all the gun shows you used to see all their uh, their books at. We need to play to our assets. And if you're incapable of doing something on your priorities list, you need to find somebody who's capable of bringing that capability to your group. Okay. And start making lists. Start making a list for your defense and security. Start making a list for your food. Okay. Start figuring out, hey, you know what? I don't want to eat beans and rice, so maybe I should stockpile some other things. Okay. Well, then figure that out. Um, shelter. You know, start thinking of ways that you're going to improve the homestead. Um, you're, uh, we'll, we'll be talking about the um, fire, fuel, and power needs. Um, the health and medical. We'll be talking about that more. Um, we'll, we'll actually be going down that rabbit hole quite a bit. Um, as far as safety, this is something that we'll, we'll be going into more. The training and practice will be going into that even more. And, uh, 
the water will be going into that more, but you need to start getting lists made out so you can break these down and do one page for each list. Or if you need multiple pages, that's fine of real things that you need to acquire, not gadgets and gizmos, real things, whether it be um, non-electric appliances, whether it be 12 volt capability, whatever it may be. And we're actually today on power and fuel. I've got a wonderful book we're going to recommend. Um, it's probably one of the books that I have heard no one else recommend. And it has been one of my favorites as far as power and fuel needs. So start making lists, go get yourself a binder, start filling it out. Um, what I like to do is I like to get a binder and then I get those clear page protectors, put your binder paper down in there so you can see things. Um, you can take out the page, mark whatever you need to mark, put it back in there. Makes it a lot easier. And then that way, if you have to take it outside and you're doing something in the barn or whatever, or in the garage and somehow it gets wet, it's less of a problem. Um, I suggest using pencils on everything because pencils, if the page gets wet, you don't lose everything. You might lose your lines on the page and everything, but you don't actually lose what you wrote. Um, so any questions, Tim? No, I, I think this is good. I think I'm going to have to get grab one of my, my notebooks back there and start some stuff. with. I, I think I, I need the protective pages, but I, I think I get the idea of what you're saying. And uh, I mean, I already have that. I already get the mindset. Mine is actually putting in practice and we're doing it here and there along the way. But it's it's very well, you know, our situation. So it's yeah. very uh as as we can do it, and I think that's what you're saying is at least make the tra- you know it's like what we talk about with repentance is to trajectory that we're going in, and if that's slow, that's fine. At least we're making way towards where we're supposed to be going. And I, I want to encourage people who may be you know like our family, uh, you know your paycheck to paycheck or sometimes day to day, you know it doesn't mean that you can't do this. You just might have to do it at a slower rate than somebody else. But as you said, if you can do it over a you know a course of months, you see that you acquire a lot of what your what your goal is. Yeah, and you don't need uh, you know you don't need the ten thousand dollar AR. You don't need those. Most people you know most people get this uh, idea that by buying the best gear, it will make them a better uh, better shooter. If you buy better running shoes, it's not going to make you a better runner. You know, and that's something that. Um, we just have to realize that it takes gradual steps. And, uh, you know, uh, every journey begins with a single step. So you got to take that step and you got to figure out what you have to do to keep progressing. Another thing that I I would suggest in this binder, and I will actually take pictures of my binder. Um, you'll, you'll see mine's all duct taped together and stuff because I've been doing this a little while, (laughs) but, um, Another thing I would do is also homestead projects, you know, um, start putting all those into practice. Like, Hey, I'd like to work on a new chicken coop, start figuring out your design and then start seeing what free and or, um, free resources you have in your community. This is something that that binder allows you to do is keep things in, in, uh, organized. And then maybe, you know, if you're married or whatever, you can talk to your wife or spouse and say, hey, you know what? I see that you're on Facebook today. Could you keep an eye out for free XYZ? Or can you keep an eye out for someone who's looking to trade for XYZ? Or, hey, I'm looking for this type of chicken. Can you keep an eye out for them? 
Okay. That's what that binder allows. And that's why I'm talking about the priorities is I, I want people to see that this all works together and it's a system. That binder allows you to see things in systems. Okay. And by breaking things down into those um, those subcategories, you're going to be able to stay more organized and organization is the key to combat. Okay. Now, Suzanne, Suzanne makes mention of something. She said, um, if you've never canned vegetables before, get a ball book on canning and contact your county extension service. I don't even know what that is. They usually have a huge resource on canning. Can you attest to any of that? Yeah, so your county extension, if you're in a rural county, um, out west, they're not as helpful as they are um, in the Bible Belt. But yes, um, I would I would say there's a ball. I have another book that's really good. It's a, um, a WEC or REC or whatever the name of it. I'll get, that's one of the books I've got. We actually have about eight or 10 Tupperware containers that I'm going to be filling up full of books that I can highly recommend to people. What we're going to do is have like a core list of, Hey, if you and your friends could get together, get these books and then everyone could, you know, read them. Then each individual only has to buy one or two books. Um, and then you have like a community library kind of thing. Um, then we've got the secondary books and that, that weck wreck. I can't remember the, the name of it, but it's an alternative to the bell. Um, canning the mace the typical mason jars that you see um and those are another option um another interesting thing is you can look into the reusable canning lids um those work very very well a lot of people don't take uh there is one thing that i can tell you is we have a friend who's very big into canning like cans more than anyone else i know single mom she grows more food than anyone else i know and cans it all and I mean cans a bunch of it, probably 1,200 jars a year, and grows a big garden and wow. works full time. Wow. So, and she uses reusable canning lids, and she actually uses a small amount of uh, for the gaskets and all that. Because what happens is when you're using hard water and you don't have a good water filtration system, you can get a uh, buildup of calcium and lime on the rubber. So, she actually uses a uh, uh, distilled white vinegar, a small amount in the water to keep that from happening. So it creates a better seal. And then she doesn't have, um, she said about, she has less than, uh, less than one out of every 500 jars that may not seal properly. And many times that's due to operator error because she's just going very, very fast. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, um, now if, uh, if it's okay, if nobody has any um, any more questions, uh, would everybody be okay with us going down to survival retreats? I'd, I'd really like to talk about yeah. this. Yeah, let's do that. Now, Patricia has one. She says, how many months should everyone be planning for? And I think, I think your idea was plan out as far as you can go and as far so, as you can store stuff and as far as you can do things that should be your that should be your goal is to just plan out that way and if you've got a little storage space make sure you can do that but if you've got a bigger storage space then that's sort of your goal yeah so i mean underneath uh you know you can take the feet off of your couch and store food under there and then put like a skirt around it there's a lot of creative ways even if you're in town you just do the best you can with where you're at you know, um, pray for wisdom and discernment. 
Um, a lot of you can actually take your bed frame out and then store um, food underneath your bed frame or build a new bed frame where you can store five gallon buckets under there. You can store five gallon buckets of food outside. Um, if you have mylar bags in there, you need oxygen absorbers and you really need diatomaceous earth, food grade diatomaceous earth in there and make sure that it's mixed with the beans, with the rice and all that, because no one wants to open up their 25 year survival food, get it open and then see a whole bunch of worms and stuff that are dead in there. I don't know about you. That wouldn't be too appetizing to me. Yeah, not me neither. Um, but now I will provide this uh, to Tim. We're working on putting all this together and this will be something I will take photos and maybe we can do a video of, of my binder and I'll take out all the sensitive information out of it. But this is that survival target that I, I told you about. So the first goal in here is three days. Then out here is one week, one month, one year, and then permanent. Now it used to be, I used to have a seven year, like a, you know, one, five and seven year um, circle out here, but I just put permanent out there because anything past a year I would look at as permanent. And so it's not just about um, storing food. It's also about what's your resupply plan because logistics, the, it's the thing everyone wants to talk about how badass they are with a gun. But at the end of the day, if you run out of beans, bullets, or band-aids, you cannot sustain a fight. And, uh, so you want to store as much food as you can, because believe it or not, I talked to someone who was in a third world ashtray, um, where there was a food crisis and they were there, um, in a unofficial capacity, officially, um, plain clothes kind of a thing. And they saw a lot of things that you probably wouldn't believe. Um, food, people were trading, and this is in um, parts of Africa, people were trading, um, you know, rockets, AKs, all kinds of things, just for a few days worth of food. So, you know, when there there was uh there were like gold silver these things are great tangibles to have if you have the extra resources and i highly recommend that you have some silver and gold on hand to be able to make collodial gold and um ionic silver or i'm sorry ionic gold um also known as collodial gold and also collodial silver having those on hand in a very pure form being able to make those man that's that's one of those those tools. And we'll talk about that in medical. We'll talk about colloidal silver. We'll talk about a lot of these different um, powerful medicinal herbs and things that you can grow and use. Because imagine if you were the individual who um, either made medicine or imagine if you were a blacksmith. Blacksmiths back in the day, if you, if you were a blacksmith, and nowadays I would say that we need to take one step further. We need to have blacksmithing and or manufacturing capability, whether that be like uh, metal lathes and things like that, that are belt powered, that we can use alternative energy to power or 12 volt systems, um, something. So we have capability to create parts for vehicles, for tractors, for all these different things. Okay. Um, So think of one of these trades and that should be one of your priorities if you're thinking about long term, because if you think about long term, you need to have a skill set or a few skill sets. So maybe you're a beekeeper and a blacksmith slash, uh, you know, fabrication guy. 
something like that. Because if you have a skill set like that, you know, maybe you're a gunsmith, maybe you're a small engine repair guy, and you've got a, a small little mini lathe and you can make parts. Okay. You need to have some type of a, of a skill set. Maybe you're a tool, maybe you're making hand tools. Maybe, you know, I don't know what your skill set is going to be, but you need to be thinking about traditional skills. You know, maybe you're, you're making shoes. How many people do you think have the ability or the knowledge to make shoes these days? Yeah, not many. So um, now I, there, there are some resources I can share about that if people are interested in it. Um, but you need to have actual skills, you know, yes, being able to work at a computer is great at all, but you need to have hands-on skills that if the grid went down, you could actually be an asset, not a liability. You don't want to be the guy digging ditches because you have no skills. That's not the guy you want to be. Or at least, yeah, or at least if you, if you don't necessarily have the skills, you, you have the education and that's the difference between indoctrination. You have the education to at least think through the problem and say, I can get a solution and I can at least makeshift something that will at least perform until I can develop it a little further. Oh, you're going you're gonna to love what we're talking about. The power and fuel, there is a reason I'm saving that for last. Because that, then you're going to start seeing how all this is all going to tie together. You're going to start seeing why... Um, why people get frustrated. People get frustrated because they don't break this stuff down into small digestible chunks. You're going to, everyone's going to love when we get down to power and fuel. So let's get on to survival retreats. Um, when, when you start thinking about survival retreats, I want you to think because everyone starts talking about survival and preparedness, they always start um, like, or I should say a lot of people start and they're in the city or the suburbs and they go, Hey, you know what? I started growing my own food and stuff. And then I started thinking about how am I going to get to, you know, where I can survive for a year, but I can't even get to that point until I get more land or until I get whatever the case may be. They just realize that it's not really obtainable um, easily you now you can grow a huge amount of food on a small piece of land and i will be the first one to admit that i've got a wonderful book down here it's called mini farming self-sufficiency on a quarter of an acre wonderful book the eat the meat spit out the bones as i like to say but um in reality the more land and resources you have the more options you have okay and when you start when you start start dissecting all the problems and issues that we face you're going to get to the point that you realize that you need a homestead wherever you are whether that be in the city or out in the country whether it's in the desert or in the jungle you need a homestead and what homesteads provide and something that homesteading provides that many um even country living folks don't get is a level of self-sufficiency. You need to be able to drink out of your own well, eat out of your own orchard, do these things. The, even the word speaks about that. And you need to be able to do these things because if you can't do those things, how are you going to help other people when you can't even feed yourself? Okay. Yep. How are you going to help other people when you're standing in line for bread? You see, 
So that's where when you start dissecting it down and you start looking at capabilities here and you start realizing that I want to, I want to go from, you know, a month out to a year, I'd like to, I'd like to do that. Well, you're going to realize that I need a, I need a homestead plan. I need to start making projects to get myself more towards self-sufficiency. Okay. And that's, that's the path. It always leads there. I don't care who you are. Everyone I've consulted for, you know, they don't realize that when you start looking at things as everyone ends up at the homesteading uh, idea when they realize that you need to live where you're going to be surviving. You might have bug out um, locations and stuff. It is my, I'm of the opinion that if it's bad enough that you need to bug out, it's probably worse than you're comprehending at that, at that present point. And it's probably, you, you probably, if you didn't see it in time and didn't have indicators, you know, um, and all that, then there's probably going to be some more. And we can talk about that in another, you know, bug out is a whole nother subject matter. Yeah. Would we, you would you say, David, and we're coming up on the end of the show, we're going to have to carry over a little bit. So everybody, if, you, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio, you know the usual route, sonsoflibertymedia.com, beforeitsnews.com, dlive.tv at the Sons of Liberty and, and such, that you can catch the rest of what we're going to talk about. But would you say that people who are in maybe like major cities and things should, one of their priorities should be looking to get out of that area to develop, even if it's a small piece of land that they can get on and get out of that that city environment where all that is especially at this time yeah i i would i would agree wholeheartedly the uh and as uh, you know come out of her my people <laughs> um you know their cities are not fit for human habitation period um they're they're just i mean there's a difference between a small town and a and a city you know american cities are huge they're they're disgusting <laughs> They, uh, they have, you know, how are you going to have a well in the middle of town, you know, in L.A.? Yeah, and or- most of them won't even let you have it. By the way, I'll have in uh, the article that we had on the, the family that downtown L.A., quarter of an acre or 16th, I forget what it was, grew 6,000 pounds of food a year. You guys have seen that. I've played some of the video there. Uh, David, we got about uh, 20 seconds here. Do you want to tell people where they can find out more about you guys and about your products? Yes, uh, themiraclesab.com. They can uh, they can go to the contact us page on there. They can send us an email. They can give us a call, um, and they can support your ministry and ours um, by going there. Um, they can they can go there, and we will we'll actually carry on more. Okay. On- all right, all right, and be sure that when you go there, use promo code Sons of Liberty, and you'll save some money. David has given us a special promo code for that, so you'll save some money on their products. Uh, catch Bradley at 3. We'll see you back in the morning at 6 a.m., Lord willing, with Common Core Diva Lynn Taylor on Rotten of the Core Wednesday. And you guys, hang on. Jump on SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. All right, we want to welcome everybody coming over from Red State Talk Radio. And, uh, David, appreciate you plugging that in there. And we're talking survival retreats, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, we are. And this is – you were talking about the quarter of an acre. Um, I actually will say that a lot of times people who start with a smaller piece of land do much better. Um, in the in getting into the survival retreat mindset, 
because they realize how important it is to design systems for maximum efficiency. And there's, there's something to be said about someone who can grow a huge amount of food on a small piece of land. Um, I will say that a lot of people who buy a large piece of land, they don't, um, you know, they buy a large piece of land and then they don't have uh, either the follow through or they've never worked on a piece of land before. They don't know how to run fence. They don't. So by getting a smaller piece of land, you can get out of town. It can be a quarter of an acre. It can be, you know, a couple acres is really all you need, you know, two, three, five acres. A lot of people can't take care of five acres. Um, they don't have the, the physical capability to do it um, currently. So if you were to get up to five acres, depending on where you are and all that, um, five acres would, would do most of what most people need. Um, even in Arizona, dry, arid places, you just you build a large pole building, make yourself some water catchment um, on top of having wells um, and all that. So it doesn't matter if it's a quarter of an acre or five acres. You can do whatever you can do where you're at. You know, turn your whole front yard into a garden. Turn your whole backyard into a garden. By doing these things, and this is, um, you sent me that video, and I did watch that video last night. I, I love anything like that. You know, I, I love seeing good systems and you, you see, you can see the efficiency in that whole system. I'm sure that you, you saw it too, when you watched it, Oh yeah. But there's a, there's a fluid movement there. And when, when we talk about momentum, you know, that's why you and I wake up early is to get a lot of things done. You have to have momentum. Yeah. So I don't want to wake up at three, but I'm going to. Um, and that's because an object in motion tends to stay in motion. Right. You need to get that momentum going and keep it because a lot of people get burnt out because they try to take on the whole world. That's why I'm talking about breaking things down into small goals. And that's why I'm talking about, you know, you go get yourself a binder, start a list and just start, you know, accomplishing one thing at a time on that list. And you will feel so good. When you get your first page done on there, you will feel like you have come so far. You cannot describe it to most people. So it doesn't matter if it's huge acreage or a quarter of an acre. Yes, more acreage is better, but there are disadvantages that come with acreage because you have to be able to secure that acreage. Not only do you have to be able to secure that acreage, but you've got to be able to provide security to everyone who's on that acreage. So think about this. How many people do you have? To create security plans for someone's got to sleep, you know, someone's and yep. hope that is don't fall asleep. So um, start thinking about building layers of protection. Think of like layers like this, you know, layers of protection. You can you can do things like build um, living fences, blackberry uh, rows of blackberry bushes or or uh, do permaculture swales. And then um, whether, depending on the lay of the land and everything, you can actually plant green fences um, to really keep people out. Uh, bamboo, things like that um, are something that you can do and you can build layers of security that, that really help um, provide an amount of protection that most people can't fathom. Okay. Um, so, Start securing your house, the um, you, your outbuildings, 
um, secure windows, doors, crawl spaces, your, your well. If you're, a, if you're rural and you're on a well or you have rainwater catchment or anything like that, you need to secure your water because without water source, think about what in medieval times, sieges, think about that and how they, um, castles and how they secured things. Just think about that for a second, okay? If you can't secure your assets, you don't have them, okay? If you can't, if you can't secure it, you don't own it. Um, secure windows. A lot of people don't realize this, but if you take a window and you break a window, it is now an entryway. So most people don't think about that kind of stuff because, you know, we live in, we live in times that people have forgotten how hard it can be. So think of like in bad neighborhoods, how you see window uh, bars over the windows and things like that. You can plant rose bushes under windows, the thornier, the better. Um, you can, uh, put bars over windows. You can also make, um, on the inside, you can make it. So there are, uh, um, so you got plywood that closes and then you have a, a bar that goes across. I was going to say, uh, you, you mentioned shutters cause I, I'm see, uh, my friend over in South Africa, they have window, they have bars on the inside and the outside of the windows because it's so dangerous. But then you start looking at, okay, if you have a fire, you've just eliminated a lot of escape ways, too. So I think the shuttering kind of deal, the like the old shutters they used to use where you can pull those things shut and lock them, is probably a better idea than, than bars. Um, and I guess you could make those out of metal, too. You could do that if you wanted to do it. It on, on your uh, on your house layout and how many entries and exits you have. You know, if you've got four doors that to exit out of your house you know, for entry and exit ways, that's probably enough. Um, and it also depends on the construction of the house. You know, masonry built houses um, tend to survive small arms better um, than stick built houses are crap. Um, they just don't, they're, they're just, they're built cheaply. Um, you know, log cabins are nice because they, the insulation value of wood is amazing. Um, well, now they're make- now they're getting David. I don't know if you've seen it, but they're using they're bringing back the hemp now, and they're doing hempcrete, which is cheaper than a lot of the stuff. the The R value on it's like an R thirty or something. I mean, it's pretty incredible. And they even make them where you can mix the stuff up and you can pour it into the wall. You, of course, you have it, you know, framed up, but you can pour it in straight into the walls or. You can make the wall completely out of like these hemp bricks. I, I've watched them do it. It's pretty, and and you can't even catch them on fire. That's that's another value for that kind of stuff. And it's it's cheap, it, or it's, it's cheaper than you know your stick built, your brick, and all this other stuff too. Another another option would be um, hempcrete, or not not just I'm sorry, not hempcrete, papercrete. Um, we were experimenting with that in. Well, I won't mention the state, but we were experimenting with that. Um, that's another option. Papercrete is basically like hempcrete and you shred up or break up, uh, paper and then you mix it with concrete and you can make bricks out of that. And that works amazingly well. Um, and we experimented with that. I believe the, I believe we, we still have a friend living out of that place that we built. We built a little tiny, uh, 12 by 16 cabin for him. Um, and it was partially, uh, underground. 
So that turned out pretty well. So if you have a source for paper and or cardboard, you know, that might be something to think about. Um, there's a lot of alternative energy guys who've been playing with that for a long time, not just me. Um, and I do have some books on straw bale construction. The thing is straw bales, um, because of the, um, because of the gardening, um, everyone's getting into gardening because they've realized the, um, they've realized the fragility of the system. Um, so the price on straw bales has gone through the roof. Um, that probably wouldn't be one of my favorite methods. Um, cob construction um, is another one. Um, rammed earth. Um, if people have looked into rammed earth, rammed earth is an amazing construction technique. I've been to many retreats in uh, New Mexico, especially that are rammed earth. And it's an amazing building material. Absolutely incredible. Um, but you know, it's, there's a huge time investment there. You have to ask yourself, are you willing to put in the time to build a place? Do you want to, you know, just cause I can go build a log cabin doesn't mean that I have the, I, I can invest that much time in that one aspect. Um, or just because I have the skills doesn't mean I can justify the time. So it's also a, an equation of, of time and resources. Um, so that would be another option. Cobb building, um, you know, you could look into Adobe. Um, there, there's a number of techniques. There's, it's not just a one size fits all. Um, cordwood house building, that's probably one of the um, cordwood. You know, if you've got wood on the property, um, that is an amazing building technique. Um, absolutely amazing. I love cord ha- uh, wood houses. Um, and there's, you can buy DVDs on that from experts for like, 25 or $30. And for the amount of money you pay for the DVD, you're going to save more than that in building materials from when you screw up. So um, that's something, something to think about. The other thing you need to think about is like securing your house is like, think about this is when you go and you take those screws out of your face plates and out of your locks and things like that, and your hinges, when you take them out there about this long, you want to replace those with like deck screws, some good, strong deck screws make everything harder to break into because it keeps honest people honest. And that split second, maybe what it, that split second it buys you by you doing those upgrades really could be the thing that saves someone's life. Yeah. I think there's some hinges that they make now that you can put on your doors. That's that can even stop the guys, you know, when they want to do their no knock raids and try to bang in your door, that it'll just kind of make it rubbery to, to where it's going to bounce back on them. But I agree with you. We changed out those with ours to put the longer screws in. So they're actually getting into two or three studs uh, that as they as you're putting your latch and things like that in. That's a good idea. Well, you, you can actually do the same thing that all these companies are charging all this money for. You can take a piece of steel, you know, a good long piece of steel. You can cut out, um, you know, using a die grinder or uh, a Dremel tool or whatever. You know, it doesn't have to be super thick um, and it can be mild steel. It doesn't have to be heat treated or anything. You can cut it out so that your latch can screw into that. And um, you can do the same thing with a piece of scrap mild steel, the same exact thing. Um, You can actually have it so you can screw in, put metal bolts in from the hinges into a, you know, six foot long piece and then put that into multiple, um, multiple studs, you know, with lag bolt. Yep. You can, 
you can, it doesn't cost a lot to do a lot of these things. If you're willing to put in a little bit of hard work and a little bit of time, and we can do projects like that in the future. Um, I know you and I have talked about it. Maybe, maybe we'll, maybe we will put together some videos on that kind of thing. That, that might be something useful okay. to some people. All right. Um, so that's something. And then securing, this is something really big. Um, I talked to, I remember my great grandmother telling me about securing the garden and she talked about securing it from predators and not just four legged. Yeah. Well, the four legged you, you got to deal with too. So even if you plant a garden, you got to have some things around there to deal with insects. Uh, and I'm sure we're going to get on that too, uh, on another show, insects and, and uh, deer and other things like that that you might have come through your garden. You're, you're going to like, I, I actually don't need fences for my garden. Um, if uh, well, other than for the two-legged pests, I have I have had people walk into my garden, take what they want, and then walk out. Um, I've I've actually had that without, like I've had that within the last couple of years. I've had people walk in my garden, take what they want, and then walk out. I watched a guy do it one time. He just sat there drinking my coffee. I just couldn't believe that. I'm like, wow, this guy is ballsy. So. Think about securing those orchards. Think about securing those gardens because think about this. If one guy comes in and then he goes and tells all his friends and family and takes all your food, think about what you're going to do um, when, when it comes that day. And you need to – part of survival retreats and stuff is getting standard operating procedures. Um, you know, how you're going to deal with uh, – how you're going to deal with um, – uh, trespassers, how you're going to deal with all these things you need to have a plan in place. So no one's panicking. That really needs to be something high on people's list of priorities. And I'm talking high on the list of priorities. Uh, Ragnar Benson had a great um, book on survival retreats. I highly recommend you can find it for free online. I, I don't know if he's still with us or not. Um, I know he's still, or last time I heard he was still up in Idaho. So um, that's something to think about. It's a uh, that's a wonderful, wonderful resource. That book, uh, Ragnar Benson Survival Retreats, um, and something that you might want to think about is not just not just the survival retreat itself, but the location and its proximity to neighbors. Are the neighbors like minded? Can you can you coordinate with them? Can you guys have like, hey, you know, can you have mutual? Um, assistance when it comes to fires you know if there was an emergency do you think that there's going to be ems do you think that there's going to be any of this stuff so figuring out an emergency response plan for not only your survival retreat but being able to provide aid and charity to your neighbors because think about this if your neighbor if they're all their food uh, stockpiles get stolen do you have the ability to help them out right now Probably not. Most people don't have the ability to be able to be charitable enough to be able to help their neighbors out at a pinch. So that's something to think about. And then also thinking about when when we think about survival retreats is making the best out of the assets we're given. You know, I had one individual who complained at me out in Colorado, um, complained at me. They, they go, well, we're too high to grow a garden. So, you know, I guess that's out of the the question. And, uh, they said, we're too high to grow a garden. We've got no soil, but we got tons of rock on our place. He said, well, why not use the rock to build something? 
you can build a root cellar or something to at least store food, right? So that's something to think about. Um, you need to, you got to have um, a resupply plan. And that's the reason we go to survival retreats and homesteads. Homesteads are able to at least pr- produce more than what they consume. And that's something that we're going to get into when we talk about um, food and resupply and growing our own food and preserving it. That's something that we're really going to get into is not only how to grow it, but how to grow it in a low cost, efficient manner. And then we will talk about uh, preservation. We'll talk about different methods of preservation and we'll talk about propagation because that's something else uh, like the blacksmith, like all those things. Imagine what someone would be worth who propagates apple trees. Imagine what someone would be worth who propagates blueberry bushes. Imagine, and nobody else is producing these things. Imagine what someone's worth producing plant starts. Imagine what someone's worth who saves their seed and their seed is known to be the highest quality in the whole region. Imagine what that individual, their value is in in a community. Okay. So think about the retreat. Think about um, how all of these needs and the, the the, the more of the resources that you can have on your piece of land, the better it is for you because you can make use of those resources. And that binder is going to allow you to also schedule out, um, you know, regular maintenance that you may need to do. Like, hey, you know, I know that I need to get out my, whether it be a, um, your side or whether it be a weed whacker or whatever. And I need to go around that, the house and I need to do this once a month or I need to do this once every six months. You can keep track of different maintenance schedules that you need, not only for your homestead, but also for vehicles and things like that. And that's why I'm talking about this binders. I'm trying to give you guys pointers to really help you be able to break it into digestible chunks. And you need to think of preventative maintenance on this um, on the homestead because preventative maintenance is going to save you more than what it's going to cost you. Uh, any questions, Tim? Because that's... No, but I, th- I think I think that's I think that's good. Now we're we're saving the best for last, right? Power and fuel considerations. This ought to be real interesting. Okay, so power and fuel. I'm and I'm. Everyone, please remember that we are trying to make this all of this as digestible as possible, because we could go on for six or eight hours on each one of these subjects, but. I don't have the time to be able to dedicate to that right this second. And Tim has other commitments also. Um, so we're, we're simplifying this down, but I want you to think about this. I'm going to give you, we're going to talk about three really, really important. Um, well, we're actually going to talk about more than that, but these are my, my talking points. And I want to, I want you to think about power and fuel is not only what you can produce power and fuel with, but how can you limit your consumption of those things? One really, really powerful tool would be like a solar oven, the All-American, um, the All-American Sun Oven. Really like the company. I met the owner of the company. Um, they're really good people. They make a wonderful product. It lasts a lifetime. Now, um, I do have a book that I can recommend 
Um, and I'll get that out and that'll be in the list of recommended books. And they talk about how to make your own sun oven, but it's, it may be, it may work as well, but it's not as efficient. It's not going to be as portable as the all American sun oven. You do pay a premium for that portability for that. It being all American made, but I will say if I had the money, I'd buy two or three of them right now. Okay. To have extras to be able to have one for charitable, you know, to be able to loan out to friends, to be able to give it to a friend if need be. They are an amazing product. Um, You can use them for um, drying, um, like dehydrating. Now, I will say that they are a little on the small side if you've got a huge family, but you can still cook a large amount of food. And if you've got a large family, just get a couple of them. They, and they work like a, you can use them like a, you can cook everything from bread. I've actually had bread cooked out of one. I've had, you know, sweets, brownies. I've had meals. Um, They're very, very good. And they use zero power. So great thing to have. They work really good in a bug out trailer, but that's something else that we'll, we'll talk about more later. And they're portable. It's like a big suitcase. Um, So it's really, really portable. Now, I want to talk about something that um, that there's some controversy because some people are like, oh, well, petroleum's real bad for the environment and everything. Well, I don't really care because here's where we're at. If it's bad enough that I have to make my own fuel, it's probably bad enough that I need to not only make my own fuel, but I need to be able to produce enough fuel to be able to help others. Okay. So there is a process that many people um, have used in third world countries, and that is uh, home distillation of plastic bottles, i.e. HDPE. So like this smart water bottle, you take these and you can distill them down into fuel, both gasoline and diesel. Um, I'm oversimplifying the process. You can go look up videos on it on YouTube. There's a bunch of them. Um, And you can start putting together pieces. I've found some PDFs. I'm looking for a good PDF for for Tim to actually be able to add when we do the whole series. So it'll be added at the end. But being able to make your own fuel, imagine the value of the man who can make fuel. What what is the value? Yeah, if you if you could do that even today, that'd be great. I know a lot of people have lost their lives in trying to, you know, develop other kinds of, especially hydro and and other other forms of of powering vehicles. Especially, you know, one of the things I think we came out of when you and I, I'm just going to interject this real quick about the the son of an Jason mentioned. What about cast iron cooking sets? I know there was some guys that uh, we went, the family went down to um, one of these. They don't, it's not a renaissance thing, it's, um, but, but it's where, where they show you the old ways of doing things, how to make candles, how to do all these kinds of things. And the guy, had he, took, um, he was a blacksmith, and basically what he did was he made his own setup with uh, uh, like a, uh, an, a cast iron pot, um, some pans and things, and then he had this sort of structure that was basically some poles that you could hang them on over a fire and you could use them on a fire like that. Uh, would you say that's a good thing to do as well, David? And I think David had to go. 
refill there <laughs> quickly. Would you yeah, say that's a good thing, man? I had to go get some more coffee. Yeah. Um, so, yes, um, those I, I've I've seen many things like that, you know, at the Mountain Man Rendezvous and things like that. Um, yes, cast iron is wonderful to have. It's very heavy um, and you need to learn how to season it properly. Um, having a wood cook stove, even just a flat top regular cook uh, wood stove that you can cook on would be nice. But having a, a dedicated wood cook stove um, would be even better in my estimation. Um, I actually wouldn't mind heating with a wood cook stove um, during the during the winter months and then having an outdoor cooking area with like a rocket stove during the summer months. So you're not cooking inside the house. That's these are we're going more uh, farther down the rabbit hole. But these are these are definitely things that people need to think about because that has to that does encompass, you know, wood is a resource. So if you're going to be using wood to be cooking with, then you might want to try to make it as efficient as possible. Um, and like the All-American uh, pressure canner, I think I think it's called the All-American. That's the one we've got, um, the big one. It's so big. When you fill it full of stuff, two grown men have a hard time lifting it off of the fire. And it's one of the only ones that I've found that you can actually can with over an open fire if you do it right, if you're careful about it and everything. Um, they're, they're quite expensive, but they don't have any gaskets. Um, so that's another option. Um, yes, the cooking over cooking directly over wood fire is, is not as efficient as a rocket stove. If I, if it was up to me, I'd probably use some kind of a rocket stove to be able to use small twig, uh, twigs, branches, that kind of thing. And to be able to make the most use of my resources. Um, so that's something that I would probably look into, um, especially if you're cooking a lot of soups, stews, that kind of thing. You can just keep that rocket stove just kind of, uh, pat, um, you know, just barely be feeding it to be able to create enough heat to keep whatever your whatever stock or stew or whatever you're making going, but not enough to um, to be really wasting any significant amount of resources. They're, they're very, once you've used a rocket stove to cook on, it's just kind of hard to think of any other outdoor cooking method that's as efficient. Um, another option would be smokers. You know, think about um, re resources as far as, think about how much energy it would take to preserve all your own food and everything. And having a smokehouse, a cold smokehouse, having that capability is amazing. Because now you have the ability to make your own sausage, your own hams, your own everything. You've, you've got the, the ability to do that with that. And that is something valuable. You know, imagine if you were the butcher. Imagine if you were the, you know, the butcher in your community, the blacksmith. One of, you know, pick some of these and learn, learn enough to be proficient at these things. But get some mastery in one of these so you, you have a skill that you can actually um, use in a, in a community. Um, now, um, when you're making your own fuel and distilling that down, really how easy it is. And I've seen guys who've set it up this way. It's really how easy it is, is they set up multiple, um, multiple distilling stations and they would have like two or three places where um, they would have valves and you could open them to pour out the stuff. So they're doing small scale production, you know, maybe 
uh, five gallons at a time or something like that of each um, or whatever it was. And what they were doing is they were taking these bottles, these this trash that they would find, and they would have their neighbors would give it to them because it's trash to them. And they were making their own fuel out of this. And imagine being able to run all your small equipment, lawnmowers, tractors, being able to run all that off of plastic. And you see plastic stores almost indefinitely. So you could store up a whole bunch of these if you knew if you knew what you were doing as far as um, turning it into fuel, distilling HDPE back down into its petroleum basis. Imagine what you could do with that. I'm trying to give people some ideas to start thinking about options for their own power and, and fuel needs. Now, one really cool um, option that I've played around with, and I think a lot of people played around with, is gasification. That is using wood. Um, you build a gasifier and you're using wood as a fuel source to run equipment. Um, that takes some fabrication knowledge. There are some great books on it, um, some wonderful books on it. There's one on Amazon that's really, really good um, on gas fire systems. And then that's one option. But another really good option that I really like is I, um, there's, you can make electric vehicles for dirt cheap if you're willing to put in the time. And uh, now this is... This I've, I've been reading this book. I'm, I'm towards the end. I've got, I've got that much more left to go. Uh, I'm, I've got, I think I'm in the last chapter. I'm on page 158 of 170 or 180, 184. Okay. So, so far, pretty good book. It's called The Prepper's Total Grid Failure Handbook. Um, by Alan Feibig and Arlene Feibig. I hope I'm not butchering their names, but there's the book. I'm on the wrong side. So far, it's been pretty good, but there's a book. If you're looking for solar and you want to learn something about solar, this book was actually a gift. And I will say that it is probably one of the least impressive looking books, but the content is amazing. And that is do it yourself, 12 volt solar power. Okay. And this is by Michael Danik. And it's, I believe it's translated from German, if I remember right. But not only does, this is what I really like about this book. He doesn't just tell you how to set up a system. Now he doesn't tell you how to build solar panels. If I remember in this book, you can go look that up. It's not very hard. I've done it before. Solar powers, wind turbines, not hard to do. Wind turbines, all you need is an alternator and a charge controller um, to be able to, to build your own wind turbines and a little bit of know-how. Um, I've got another book that I'll suggest on um, if you're going to build wind turbines that you might want to look into. But what I like about this book is in the towards the back, he talks about he's just got so many. He talks about here's a above a solar grinder using a windscreen wiper motor. Look at that. 
That's incredible. David, okay. what, what about what about some other things like, uh, you know, I, I was in a Telegram group that I check on every once in a while, and they'll have different things where they're doing, uh, they're using electromagnetism. They're using magnets, and they're u- wrapping them in copper, and they're using them just to charge a phone. It doesn't use any kind of, you know, once you set it up, it's it's done. And my, my thinking is, is the bigger you go with the magnets, the more power you can generate out of that. I'm sure there's a place where you're going to have to have something that regulates it so you don't get, you know, some really bad stuff going on. But uh, what do you think about that kind of stuff? I, I really think... I really think you need to read this book. <laughs> okay. And I dropped the link in there. I dropped the link into the chats for you guys for both those books that Dave, Dave mentioned. So, yeah, this the reason I like this book is it's written by a guy who actually he, he breaks down. So he's got an introduction and he's breaking down the basics of solar powers, batteries, you know, from like it breaks it down to like fourth grade level. And what I like about it is he's got um, capacity and tension and he he breaks down like uh warnings about different things nickel metal height all these different tips and tricks the benefits of different types of batteries you can actually build your own batteries you don't have to go and buy them um he talks about different charge controllers um what the difference is between wattage and voltage voltage you know he's got this is a for and you can buy this book. If you go to Hamilton Books, um, they have a number of um, homesteading, preparedness books, things like that for pennies on the dollar. Um, this book was $5. The individual bought this for me. It cost $5. Okay. For $5, you can't go wrong with this. And another thing is in the back, you can see a yurt. That is another option is if you are willing to put in the time, it is time consuming to build, but if you're willing to put in the time and you need a portable shelter and or a shelter to live in, that's, that's pretty comfortable. I mean, they live in them in Mongolia. Mongolia is pretty freaking cold. Okay. Now, Mateo uh, says that he, in fifth grade science project, uh, he made a battery out of potatoes. Yeah, I actually, uh, you can you can make one out of potatoes. There's actually, back in the 1800s, they used to use wine bottles to make uh, batteries because the acid would not um, etch the, uh, uh, the glass. You can actually, you can use vinegar. You can use a, a vinegar to, to make batteries. Um, you can use vinegar as the acid medium. Um, and there are ways to increase the, acidity you can use a wine uh you can use a wine acidity testing kit to be able to figure out what your acid uh percentage is to be able to equalize all your batteries there's a there's a billion things you can do with with all this and you can use magnetism to create power i just it's one of those things when you if you were to buy a huge magnet and then buy all the copper and do all that how much money do you have in that versus how much you'd have in a solar panel and a, a couple of batteries? Yeah, see, one of the things that was great um, when I came off of job sites was sometimes, you know, you'd get scrap pieces of copper. Uh, your electricians do it. We When we pulled wire, you know, you get to the end of the end of the box and you got like eight or ten feet and you really can't. Well, I would normally save it and use it for scraps where I had to make small, you know, repairs or something like that. 
But you can also always bring that kind of stuff back in, and you can utilize it. And there's a lot of, again, there's a lot of uh, job sites that you can go on where people are just throwing away perfectly good stuff. Wood, too. Wood is another issue that you'll find on job sites. Um, I remember one of the job sites I did, the guy was telling me that when he first started working with his uncle, he said we would build houses. And this, and he could he could still remember some of the hand crank tools like the drills and stuff. But he said when we went on a job site to build a house for my uncle, he said you could walk away with what was left over in the scraps and everything out of a wheelbarrow. He says because we used everything, and he came on the job site we're on. He says I just got through dumping a quarter of a million dollars worth of wood because they had let it sit uh, so long. It was it was brand new wood, but it had warped, it had bent, and all this other and instead of going over there and what i would have said was well why don't you wet it down and put something on top of it get it flat again and use it instead of throwing it away that doesn't make any sense to me but that's that's the way some of the the mentality is is just to take what's good and throw it away and i think a lot of people can find things like that and most of these job sites if you go on and you talk to the foreman uh, about it you could say hey would you mind if i go through your dumpster or something like this some of those guys don't mind some of them do for safety issues but some of them don't mind you can usually find some good things there and you could, I, I mean, I have literally seen whole, uh, whole truckloads of lumber get thrown away that because the top layer was warped. They didn't want to even go through it. Yes. Um, someone, I talked to someone on a consulting thing out in Colorado who uh, they were telling me right now they know of literally hundreds of loads of building materials that are going to the dump every month or two that are that are just it's happening because what happened was with all the covid restrictions all the building came to a halt all of it out in colorado um so a whole bunch of stuff went through a whole winter with you know no supervision no nothing and they said just the amount of things electrical boxes all kinds of things that were left outside that don't go bad that they are taking to the dump too yeah. so it's not just wood and stuff and i will i will share because you were talking about hand tools and you do need to have manual backups for everything power uh, all power tools that you have which i do i i have my fair share but this is a wonderful book um antique tools yep i'm looking i'm looking that up here so I can put it and, uh, by Catherine McNeary. Now it's got values in here. Um, I, I don't get it for the value side of it, but they've got pictures of all these tools and what they're used for. The reason I keep this around little nugget. The reason I keep it around is you can, if you see it, you can make it. Mm. Okay. And what was the um, name of it again? Antique Tools Are American Heritage by Catherine McNeary. Okay. Yep. Okay. There it is. I got it now. Yeah. I wanted to make that easy for people if they want to pick that up. Um, or, or this printing was $9 back in the day. But they've got good photos in here of stuff. They tell you what the tool is. And that that's another wonderful book. 
Yeah, see, I'm thinking a lot of people aren't even thinking about uh, hand tools that they might have to use because they, they're thinking, I can plug my thing in, I can charge my battery up, or whatever the case may be. And, of course, some of that is great for some of the things that we've been <clears throat> talking about in the show here, David. And what I want to do is, <clears throat> as we're getting ready to uh, to wrap things up, I'm going to let you finish up what you got there. I'm going to go ahead and play this that little video that kind of deals with that small piece of property. That's how I'm going to close out the show today. So go ahead and finish up what you've got going on there. We'll have to wrap things up. I've got three books as another nugget for those who stayed all the way through. Appreciate um, We appreciate you taking your preparedness into your own hands and being an asset, not a liability. Shelter, shacks, and shanties and how to build them. By DC Beard. Okay, I got it. Okay, and then barns and outbuildings and how to build them. Practical plans for handy men. All right, got that. And then this is probably one of those books that my wife bought this for me, and I I knew that my wife loved me when she bought this. <laughs> Homemade contrivances. Okay. All right. I got it. And this is one of those books that is just, it is full of things that you just, you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Final thoughts on things, David. Final thoughts on things that, um, you know, we have not been given a spirit of fear. We've, we have been, We've been blessed. Um, we are blessed that our Father loves us enough to let us know that tough times are coming and that not only are tough times coming, but if you live in His way, you know, living off the land, uh, getting back to our roots, being able to actually, you know, grow our own food. And, and, and I think that a lot of uh, Scripture makes a lot more sense when you've grown your own food because then you comprehend fully many of the parables, especially when it comes to growing food. You've raised livestock, especially if you've raised sheep, you can comprehend all the um, terminology when it comes to shepherds. You can you can comprehend a lot more than most people can. Um, and that don't be overwhelmed no matter what. Don't get overwhelmed. Don't get discouraged because at the end of the day, if you're getting discouraged, you're just letting the devil win. And you can't be discouraged. You've got to just keep moving forward. Just break it down one step at a time. And Tim and I are here. We're encouraging you. Um, you know, we can do it. You can do it. What one man can do, another man can do also. Yeah. And David, you've been a great encouragement to me. I want people to understand that and know that I've, I've gained a lot of knowledge. I hope some wisdom, because uh, wisdom is is not just, you know, you got it up here. It's being able to put it into practice. And uh, <clears throat> I'm trying to use some of that now myself. If you want to check out uh, David's site, it's called Pruitt's Tree Resin. You can find it by going to the miraclesav.com. 
Um, they've got all kinds of products there, uh, including the uh, the fulvic and the humic acid. So you can pick that up. You can find that down in the proprietary herbal formulas. Uh, click on that, and that's where you can find that. The tree resin products, uh, soaps. Uh, you've got some other things that you guys are developing. You're going to be de- developing, or you're trying to develop a premium coffee that will have actual you know, the, the fulvic and the, the uh, humic acid in it. I think he said, what, about seven different kinds of mushrooms and things. So be looking for that. If you go there, folks, uh, be sure to let them know you heard it on Sons of Liberty Radio. And use Sons of Liberty as the promo code, and you'll save some money. David and uh, and his family have been kind enough to give that as a discount to the listeners. So be sure and use that. Sons of Liberty is a promo code, and you'll save some money. Now, what I want to do is I'm going to close out the show this way. David, if you need to run, that's fine. If you want to hang on, you want to watch this with me, uh, that's fine too. And But I want people to see it. I played it before, but this is the way I'm going to close out the show. This will be the last thing. So you guys have a great day. Catch Bradley at 3 p.m. Eastern on SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. We'll see you in the morning at Rotten of the Core Wednesday with the Common Core Diva, Lynn Taylor. And then David will be back with us, Lord willing, on Thursday and Friday. We're going to pick up a couple other topics on this uh, uh, prepping issue. But this is, if you feel like I got too small a place or I don't know where to start, check this out. You'll be encouraged by it. Growing your own usually means moving to the country, plowing the fields, cultivating the crops, harvesting the bounty for your table. But these days, more people are turning to their own backyards to create urban farms. One Southern California family is at the forefront of that movement. Drivers whizzing past on the 210 freeway through Pasadena have no idea that a stone's throw away from the fast lane is a lush but tiny Eden, a 4,000 square foot farm. It not only feeds a family, but revolutionizes the idea of what can be done in a very unlikely place, the middle of a city. This is city living, but I brought the country to the city Uh rather than have to go out to the country. I just imported it. 63-year-old Jules Dervais started this backyard farm 10 years ago. It's a deliberate throwback to the storied days of self-reliant rural America. Jules and his children grow almost all the food they need, and everyone pitches in. Five uh, pounds of grapefruit. His daughters, Anise. We have another guy coming to pick up. And Jordan. Yeah, are you done? Okay. And his son, Justin. Their produce is organic, and their animals are, well, friendlier than average. Say hi. Say hi. We have eight, eight chickens, four ducks, and two goats. I joke with people. I said, I think my animals fit better in a city backyard than a lot of um, dogs in the neighborhood. The ducks and chickens lay thousands of eggs a year and keep the bugs in check. And they really uh, made the dynamics of the urban homestead much more sustainable. Sustainable and dense. On their 4,000 square feet, they raise 400 varieties of vegetables, fruits, and edible flowers. 6,000 pounds a year, enough to feed themselves with plenty left over. And with the current passion at high-end restaurants for local pesticide-free produce, chefs are literally beating a path to their door. Hi, how are you Hello, doing? good. How are you doing? So we have your order for today. Oh, wonderful. And then I'll get your soil here. Stuff is really so what are you going to do with the sorrel? Mm. I'm going to use it to make a really nice... Um, mm-hmm relish with uh, with cucumber for a salmon dish. 
The family makes about $20,000 a year from their front porch sales. They use it to buy the crops they can't grow, like wheat, rice, and oats. I would say at the beginning, I didn't really believe I could do it. I, I had some doubts because I kept thinking, this place is too small. There's no way that we're going to be able to feed ourselves. Plus, I never thought we could even grow the vegetables for the, for the market. So how did this experiment in independent living begin? It all began 10 years ago when Jules bought some taco shells for dinner. He learned too late that the shells were being recalled because they had been made by mistake with genetically modified corn. When I thought about putting this food in my children's mouth and, I, and they were depending on me to give them good stuff, I mean, they'll take whatever their parent, any child would take what a parent hands them. They'll say, it comes from my mom or dad. And I couldn't afford to, to uh, be in that position of giving them bad stuff. Now, a decade later, this radical foodie has succeeded in going off the grid. He calls his lifestyle the path to freedom. And what did family think of that whole approach? Uh, they thought it was strange. <laughs> they thought it was, they thought it was uh, my daughter wouldn't come out of the front yard and visit with her friends because they said, what's, what's up with your dad? They wanted to know what was going on because I was making some radical changes here. The Dervais have no ugly commute. They avoid office politics and will never get fired. But their jobs are way more than nine to five. I need, I need the help, all the help I can get. And it's my family that, like in the old days, the farmer, farmer's family made the difference. Jordan takes care of the animals. Um, a joke for them, we call them pet organic composting machines. Justin is in charge of making sure they get the most out of every square foot of soil. And sometimes the results are extraordinary. You actually grew this? Yeah, it's like a little pumpkin, but it's very long. Just slightly. Slightly. He's also the beekeeper. Oh my gosh, that's the first time I've ever done straight from the honeycomb. Mm. Jules prides himself on his gourmet compost. Yummy, yummy. <laughs> Only worms could love a, <laughs> could love this a rotten good. stuff. <laughs> Anise is in charge of cooking the vegetarian meals. All homegrown, strawberries and edible flowers and salad and beets and carrots. And the canning. We got grape leaves, pickles, beans, and pickled peppers to all sorts of jams, tomato sauce. And the menu? That depends on what's in season. What happens when something's out of season? Uh, we just don't eat it. <laughs> You're out of luck. It's out of season. There are no microwave ovens in this kitchen, and no Cuisinarts either. We have you know, gizmos, but they're just hand-powered. What little electricity they use is generated by these solar panels. How much is your electricity bill? Well, it's running about the highest $12 a month. $12 <laughs> a month for everything here? Yeah, yeah. They spend even less on gas. This is their biodiesel brewing station. So this is just used grease from restaurants? Yeah, they use it to fry onion rings, french fries, you know, anything you would fry. And you get it free? Yeah, free and delivered on our doorstep. The gasoline station is self-serve. It hasn't always been easy. Justin remembers the year that frost wiped out a crop. Another year, it was a destructive insect. And recently, they've noticed a new challenge, climate change. We call it the forefront of global weirding because 
we've been gardening for so long, you can sense things are off. Uh, we have this June bug that comes out. It's called June, so it's supposed to come out in June, but it comes out in July and August and, you know, September, so something's definitely off. The other challenge is water. Southern California skies don't deliver enough of it. So Jules keeps the water bill down with this ancient form of irrigation. That's a clay pot irrigation. So it's buried it's, under there. It's buried, um, usually up to the throat here. Uh -huh. And then all you do is fill it up, and the water weeps through the yeah, pore through the skin, through the clay. And uh, you get the water where the plant's needed at the root zone. Plants uh, take the water as needed. So simple. So just so simple. <laughs> no. It's 5 o'clock, dinner time, the time when it all pays off. Is it going to be inside or outside? Oh, no, it's supposed to be outside. The Dervais are the ultimate locavores. Their food traveled a whole hundred feet from the field to the table. They all say they love urban homesteading and can't imagine living a typical consumer-driven life. But there's one thing they would like. My plans are to uh, have Homesteadville, which is... Uh, What's Homesteadville? Uh, a village of all homesteads to, to start a... Uh, Start. My my family will be there. They'll have their homesteads. Their extended family will be there, and and uh, people that want to live this lifestyle will be in there. At the end of the day, some not so back to nature activity. Visits to their websites have grown dramatically. They get about six million hits a month from others interested in this grow it yourself revolution. Growing food yourself is is a, a dangerous act because you're in danger of becoming free. We're all in the same boat, on the same planet, and there are people now asking uh, deep questions about the future of the planet. And they're willing to do this. They're willing to take a risk. It's a risk that has paid off for Jules and is blazing a trail for others.